Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. If you could go back to the future, would you want to meet your parents as teenagers? That would be in the past. Touche. Coming to you almost live from Danica Patrick's race car, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. Boy, we've got a great show for you uh, this week. This week on the show, we chat with Mr. Spin, a street performer from Australia who was in town a few weeks ago for the Edmonton Street Performers Festival. We also catch up with Sally Poulson and Jeff Sampson of the Edmontonian.com and talk with them about their new web TV show, Saturday Night with Sampson. And finally, Scott, our very own Scott C. Bourgeois. That's me. We'll do a dramatic reading featuring the latest news from the Dawson Bridge construction project. But first, we have a special guest in the studio with us today, a man who's done for the Edmonton music scene what Google Calendar has done for thousands of disorganized mouth breathers on the internet. <laughs> 50s of listeners, we have Chris Martiniuk from <laughs> yeglive.ca in the studio with us today. Thanks for joining us, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. Did, did I get that last name right? Martiniuk, yes. There's a Y in it. It's yep. very confusing. Yep. It's very confusing. Now, before the show, you were telling me that uh, you're... Uh, your foray into the music scene doesn't really begin with music. It begins with software. Yeah, it begins with technology. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a developer f for 14 years, so our entry into mu the music scene was really uh, because many years ago we decided to open a restaurant foolishly. You know, Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense to me. A technology enthusiast yes. who wants to get into music and therefore will open a restaurant. That's right. The path uh, of most resistance. It's a really interesting path and one that uh, has uh, given me a lot of experience to bring me to where I am right now. Uh, so uh, my partner Cameron and I, we owned Halberts. We ran it for three and a half years. Okay. It was a live music venue. Um, we opened it uh, because there was a vacancy in the neighborhood and I was doing freelance software work and I needed to get out of the house and go someplace to work. So I said, well, why don't we just make a cafe that I can go to and then I can go do my software work. That's awesome. Uh, not knowing that, of course, owning and running a restaurant, as some of your previous guests uh, would uh, have told you, um, it's a full time and a half life. Yeah. So uh, I ended up not really doing a whole lot of software and doing a whole lot more of restaurant management mm -hmm. and running the restaurant. But we were a live music venue, and um, we had live music four nights a week, and so we had some strong ties to the music community, and we ran a songwriter stage, and uh, some of the really cool up-and-coming acts in the city here had their first shows at, at Halberts at the wow. open stage. So, uh, yeah, and then when uh, when we uh, closed Halberts, it was kind of a natural, you know, transition. We said, well, we have all this relationship, and we understand the problems that are, you know, some of the challenges that are being faced in the in the music scene, so what can we do? And that's where... That's where YG Live came out of. Wow. So so um, were you the guy responsible for booking the talent? Was it a tag team effort at Hulbert's? Or? Yeah. We uh, For the first couple of years, we booked it all ourselves. And um, I think that was a very important thing for us to do because it was our business. You know, it was, it was not where we could turn it over just to somebody else and say, oh, by the way, yeah, we want to have a band in here, whoever it is. I don't care. Um, so we were very personal very uh, had a very strong relationship with the musicians that came in and when we started we were doing uh, live music two nights a week and it was jazz they were back-to-back -back gigs with the same band and we found out something very interesting um, 
we were approaching our bookings of the bands from a business perspective. Mm -hmm. So here's an agreement of what we're going to pay you. This is what we expect from you. This is how we think it's going to work. Apparently that was very novel for a lot of the venues in the city here. And so we actually enjoyed a pretty good reputation with the musicians because we did things like pay them what we agreed to pay them. Uh, we supported them the way that we said that we were going to support them. We promoted them the way that we were going to said that we were going to do that. So, uh, so um, that kind of, uh, you know, um, let us know a little bit about some of the challenges that independent musicians were facing in the city. Uh, and um, and uh, so kind of, you know, underwrote some of our philosophy of how we, of how we worked with musicians. Is there a, um, without naming any names, obviously, mm -hmm. is, is it common in the city of Edmonton for uh, musicians and stage acts to get kind of taken advantage of by venues? It, I would say it was then. It has changed a lot in the last couple of years because there's some really good people who are, who are coming forward and doing bookings, and there's some really, um, uh, I think the heart has changed quite a bit. There's a lot more uh, smaller venues that are um, doing things with the right, you know, with the right values uh, to support a scene and to support the arts um, as opposed to just making a buck in the next show. Um, so, yeah, there are some names. I'm not going to point any fingers or anything because uh, because the pressure is there for them to, to, to change. It's coming from the musicians, it's coming from the fans. Um, and, you know, things like social media, you know, people tweet about a bad experience at a venue um, as a musician or, or as a patron. And, you know, you can't, uh, you have to be on top of that and you have to change what you do. So, so there's been a shift. And I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking about when we opened, it was, you know, four years ago, five years ago. So the scene has changed since then, for sure. This is Adam coming to you almost live from the set of Saturday Night with Sam Snow, and I'm standing here with Sally Poulson from TheEdmontonian.com, also the producer of the show. Thanks for chatting with me, Sally. Thanks for chatting with me, Adam. Now, what the hell was the... Uh, where did this idea for to do a show like this come from? Um, I wanted to do a show where Jeff would have to wear pajamas. The original concept was to get him to wear pajamas that I was going to sew and I was gonna have fabric made with like Walter Cronkite's on them, and they would be his news jammies, and then it would be like a long form interview show. But that isn't really how it shook out for whatever reason. What was, so why aren't we wearing, uh, why aren't we wearing pajamas? Uh, because I felt like with some of the other ridiculousness, like the Spanish opening and stuff, that it was like, it was too much, too much. So for those of you who haven't seen the show yet, and you really should, um, if you go to theunknownstudio.ca, we'll have a link to it, um, it's a, it's, basically a late night talk show with Jeff from the Edmontonian.com as host. I'm their first guest and Pepe, whose last name I can't pronounce, Pepe Duenas, is the band leader and he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic man, a sexy man, a suave man and he also um, does the voiceover for the opening of the show. So you conceived of this thing so that Jeff could wear pajamas but are there any other sort of goals or are you trying to do something new interesting why what's the deal uh i worked in tv for a long time and i really loved it but it's sort of my love for it got beaten out of me by working in a corporate environment unfortunately and so it was more a goal of making something that was interesting and fun to watch which was the, which were the sort of things that i pushed when i worked in a corporate environment that nobody wanted to hear when i'd be like you know what would be awesome if we wore pajamas and they'd be like go back upstairs <laughs> to your editing suite yeah. and don't talk to anybody so um 
my own desire for this thing is to kind of scare the shit out of TV people who think that this is really difficult to do. Do you share a similar uh, um, a similar notion? Yeah, well, I mean, even with the Eventonian, that was sort of our goal when we started it, right, was to show people that, like, the hard part of doing news well is actually listening and hearing people's stories and understanding the importance of what you do. Because for all the years that I worked in news, I very rarely, if ever, heard anybody talk about that element of storytelling. It would be like, oh, the best viz should go on television or this is, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. But the part of it where there's responsibility and you're actually accountable to people and you should take some care and concern in the humanity of the stories you're telling, you never do. And so while it seems ridiculous that I'd be like, and then I thought I'd make a show about pajamas to prove that point. It's kind of like the whole point of the Edmontonian was anybody can do this. You have an internet connection, you have a blog template, just go tell stories, but do what they don't do in corporate media, which is they don't tell stories that are relevant to people, that are human, that are responsible, and that are ethical all the time. Some of them do. Yeah. It happens. So what are some of the pitfalls uh, that you've experienced so far, even though the, at the time that we're talking, the, we haven't even done the show yet. This is before the show. What are some of the, some of the problems that you've run into even before the show has aired? Because that's when we're doing this interview. Like meaning in the pre-production of the show? Sure. And even, frankly, just the temperature in your apartment from all the computers running. Yeah. Yeah. It's Well, I mean, it was just like the hours put in, right? It's, um, I used to be a post-production editor, so doing motion graphics and stuff is sort of in my wheelhouse. But it still takes a lot of work, at, you know, doing the, the intro and the stingers and all the package stuff. And then I'm sort of filling the role of about, on your standard, like, newscast, that's about six people. There's a producer and a director and a switcher and a writer and an editor and a shooter. And I'm sort of trying to do all of them with three laptops and, you know, uh, Windows Movie Maker. So uh, And an Optimus Prime and helmet. An Optimus, and an Optimus Prime helmet, which is, I think, the secret to my success. If we got it for anyone else, for, for one of the other major stations, they'd probably do a lot better. Cool. Well, thanks for talking with us, Sally. Thanks for coming out. We've just wrapped up the first ever episode of Saturday Night with Sam Snow. Jeff, how do you feel about how it went? <laughs> I feel uh, pretty good. I mean, it went by really fast. So it's kind of one of those things I'll have to go back and watch it and remember all the things that we did and said. But uh, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And it was one of those things. I, I was a guest. So, th th I mean, that's why I'm here. Um, but it was one of those things that would, even though shit got messed up, we just had to keep it rolling, and that was pretty challenging, wasn't it? Uh, that's yeah. I mean, I've I've done live radio before, and briefly some live TV, but I definitely have done a lot of live radio, and that's kind of one of those things you've got to be ready for to ad lib or to cover when you know something doesn't fire, something's not there, and I mean that happened here. Obviously, it didn't work right off the top as we wanted, and there was seemingly no sound for something, <laughs> but uh, but it was awesome because um, because it's the internet, so you can kind of screw things up. And because it's the first one, I think people will give us that. And also because it's like we're running a multi-camera show out of our living room <laughs> with guests and like a band and like the you know everything. It's kind of just like uh, yeah. So what if camera one's not there at, at first? Yeah. And what if the sound doesn't work? Who cares? Now we um we we managed to do some pretty interesting stuff. We gave prizes away. And, uh, and we had we actually had viewers. Do you remember how many viewers there were? I think we were talking about seven or eight that we can confirm. And, I mean, we were talking during the show with, with people to, to tweet at us. 
um, to prove that they were watching or whatever, and we'd give them some DVDs. So a few people there. And now we're seeing some other people in, like, the chat on the, the live stream site and stuff. So a few people watched, and, I mean, hopefully we've recorded it properly and can upload it, and a few more people can watch <laughs> the video after. So well, I guess we'll see. But, I mean, it, once we got past three viewers, because we have three computers all running our webcams that counted as viewers, once we got to four or five, it meant somebody actually tuned in. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all you could ever want for the first one. So what is the – what's the goal – after this what do you guys want to accomplish how often do you want to do it do you ever want to do it again uh we will do it again uh i'd love to make it more regular it was a lot of work uh so right now we're not going to make it a weekly thing already people are tweeting oh you should do it again but i mean the same thing when we did the swap the egg swap back in march was it march or whatever that people were like oh you're gonna do another one like next month and it was kind of just like, no, it's so much work. <laughs> yeah. And this one, too, right now, it's, it was a lot of work. But, I mean, like anything else, like once it catches on or you find a way to, to sponsor it or sell it and uh, it can become a job, you could do it a lot more. Yeah, and, and my one of the things that I want to happen from all this is for someone to say, hey, I caught your show. You should come do it live at my place. Now, whether or not that happens, you know, it I think it might happen at some point. But. Well, a lot of people ask me to come to their house and do things on their <laughs> webcams. So that's not a first-time thing. Um, but, yeah, I think we can do it again uh, out of our house. And uh, I think if it keeps working, you could do it at, at other venues. And then opens it up to, like, doing other kinds of shows as well at other venues if we wanted. It's, it's amazing that the Internet technology of, of live streaming and, and stuff like that is just, like, so versatile, like, I've worked briefly in television and comparing this to like a studio run like news show where you're like camera one, take camera two, roll commercial. It's like it's all the same. Yeah. And it's amazing that that technology is in the hands of anybody that wants to learn how to use it or knows how to use it. And then it's just it really is about the content, whether you're at a TV station or on the Internet, that it's like there's no excuse. Everybody can run a show out of their living room. So if nobody's watching your TV show, they're watching some something crappy on the internet. It's it's about what you're putting on in front of the camera. Yeah, it's it's either it's either I don't know something on Global or or City TV or it's Double Rainbow Guy talking about how awesome Double Rainbows are. So, um, so <laughs> I mean, best of luck. Thank you for having me as a guest. Well, on of the course, show. it's it's funny. We've kicked around the idea of doing like the Saturday Night with Samson for a while, um, and it was just like one of those things where we're having drinks and it's like. Hey Adam, we've got this idea, and then it's like within a week, it's like, and you're our guest, and we're on the air. Yeah, well, great job, great job, and I look forward to the next episode. And if you ever need another guest, you know, someone who's hilarious and can borrow an Optimus Prime helmet from somebody, just let me know. Done. It's the League of Extraordinary Media, TheEdmontonian.com, TrueBrittle.com, The Unknown Studio, User-Created Content. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a guarantee of quality Edmonton-based online content. If you're interested in joining or would like more information, visit LeagueOfExtraordinaryMedia.com.
So then you discovered the internet. <laughs> or, you know, you yes. decided to do this thing. This, yeah. And so uh, YEG Live, yeglive.ca, mm -hmm. whatever, yep. is, like I said, it's the calendar um, of music events in Edmonton. Yeah. So that tell, tell us how the, the genesis of that after Halbert's. Well, the Halbert's website, uh, which uh, happened to the guy who wrote the website, that would be me. Um, <laughs> we, we did something really unique, which was that when we had our live music listings, we kept our calendar up to date. And we had bios and profiles and tracks and galleries of the artists that were coming to play in our room. We didn't just send someone off to a crappy MySpace or a, or a Facebook page or something like that. We actually curated and published the information on our website. For bigger events, we also had a really crappy ticketing system that we inter integrated in our website where people could buy a reservation basically to, to the shows. And we, people responded really well to that. Our patrons responded really well. The shows that we had the advanced sales, people have appreciated the convenience and the ability to secure their seats. Musicians knew how much promotion they needed to do or not do because we knew what the reservations were going to be like. Um, and as a venue, we found that uh, people actually spent a little bit more money <laughs> because we weren't hitting them up at the door for a cover charge. You know, so they had already committed in advance. They came and they could just focus on the show. They didn't have this ticket price hanging over their head. Um, also, uh, a lot of the musicians that, that had just very simple MySpace pages or very simple profiles online, when you Google their names, their Hulbert's artist profile actually came up on the first couple of, of uh, results in Google. So That's some outstanding search engine optimization. Well, it was, it was completely unintentional. Right. I mean, I, I do web design for a lot of people, and I don't do search engine optimization per se, because what I do is say, if you have good, relevant, current content, you're going to rank high. So uh, anyways, post-Halberts, we had this database of hundreds of musicians that had been through um, uh, through our, our site. We had their profiles. They were ranking high in Google. We said, what, what can we do with this? Well, let's provide tools to other independent uh, artists in, in town here and other independent venues so that they could benefit from the same type of profile that we got online that we did with the Halberts website. And that's when YG Live came about. Um, we decided that we wanted to have a catalog of local artists. Um, we wanted um, uh, to have a listing of live music venues with the maps and, and, and ultimately a calendar uh, where we could have all, all the events that were happening with live music in the city available from one single place. And it's not just local artists either because I've seen the... the so my reckoning is that if you create an event in YEG Live with some band, mm -hmm. that band gets auto-generated some kind of profile on the site. Yeah, we, we actually curate all that. So, so we, you guys are managing that? We research, Wow. we curate, we do a little bit of editorial uh, because what's really important for us is that the quality and the accuracy of the information on our site is the top. So we may not, we may not be the most comprehensive mm -hmm. yet. Well, you're getting um, there though. But it's starting to get there as we get more venues and more promoters sending information into us and more artists subscribing. Um, and sending us their events, but uh, everything that you see on the website has been curated. Somebody has gone through and edited and researched that information and edited it. Now, is that you and your partner Cameron doing that's that? Right. Yep. Just the two of you? Just the two of us right now. My goodness, that's yeah. got to be an awful lot of work. Have you considered uh, expanding to other parts of Alberta as well? Like, are you, I presume that you're mostly Edmonton at the moment, but have you considered like Red Deer, Calgary? Oh, I can answer yeah. this for him because his email address was chris at canlive.ca. <laughs> so he's ambitious, right? Yes. Our, our company is actually Canadian Live Productions. Okay. 
we have domains registered across Canada. Uh, we do have um, a fairly aggressive roadmap to bring our technology into other markets. So you may see a YYC live and a YVR live coming up. Um, so we do have plans to do that, but um, Edmonton is where we're starting. We have the relationships here. Our heart is here. We understand how things work in the city. Um, we're going to perfect our technology here, and then we're going to bring it out into other markets. So That's fantastic. Now, have you thought about... Um Doing a, a demo at Demo Camp of YEG Live. I know it's yeah. Is I, it it's is it compelling software? Is it something that's worth you know? Oh yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so too. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool actually. We, our database system, you know, we have a curation system in there where we can escalate uh, content based on trust factors until it finally becomes published. You know, we've got we've got a lot of tools in there to make sure that, that the quality is high and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff under the under the uh, under the hood. So. Um, but the, the key is that when we go into other markets, we, we don't want to be like a Reverb Nation or a MySpace because they don't serve the market. The, the reality is most independent musicians consume and are consumed by a 100-mile music diet. You know, the bulk of their fans, the bulk of the people who are out buying their merch and supporting them are within a 100-mile radius. So having a profile on MySpace, we're not trying to replace that, but it doesn't serve the needs of the artists in, in their local independent scene. And so when we go into other markets like Calgary or Vancouver, we have to do it with a very distinct regional flavor. So we have to work with, the, build relationships with people who are in those scenes who understand the, um, you know, the preferences and the nuance of each uh, area and then try to tailor what we're doing uh, to that to those particular markets so so we're not going to just sort of like stamp this out as being okay now we're you know now we're myspace version three or whatever but uh, we want to we want to because our purpose is to serve these, these local arts communities we have to do that with uh, with a lot of consideration to the characteristics of those communities so are you finding yourselves going out in particularly in Edmonton because that's where you've, you've started um, going out and talking to artists about how the system would best serve them in a way. Yeah, we've I've have been invited to do a couple of social media um, uh, talks, and so I've talked about YG Live to musicians there. Uh, one of them was um, put on by Alberta Music, Alberta Music Industry Association. So that was the, uh, the social media conference that I missed. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, no problem. But uh, you know, it was it was a really good opportunity, and um, and uh, yeah, there is a message that needs to go to 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 local artists. Um, and to be able to equip them with the tools so that they can build their fan base. There's something that happens, there's a, li there's a life cycle that happens with local bands. It's like an 18 month, 24 month thing. They reorganize, they get excited, they do this big promotional push, they put their Facebook invites out. We all get spammed with the Facebook event invitations. You know, I think I got like, you know, 50 of them today or something this morning. So, and then uh, all the friends and family come on and say, oh, great band, oh, okay, we're gonna buy your merch. And then they do that for a couple of shows, a couple of big shows. And then that base of support from friends and family, they get exhausted. But the bands haven't been, they don't have the tools unless they're very, very uh, effective at promoting themselves. They don't have the tools to build their fan base and to expand beyond their immediate friends and family. So sending out invites on Facebook doesn't guarantee that you're going to have any success. You have to be savvy at using social media. You have to use Twitter in an engaging way. You, you know, you have to... Uh, have some profile, some visibility to your local market, and um, and the tools that are out there, the big social media tools, really aren't working for for the musicians. Well, and the level of effort required to maintain those things is 
it's significant. Mm -hmm. Like if you've got a full-time job and you're really trying to have a go at being a, a, a band that plays often in a, in a particular market, yeah. you got to be on top of that. That's and right. God, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. You so, got to spend an hour, an hour and a half a day on, on social oh, media with your business. Musicians sure. have to understand that they are operating a business. There may be a sole proprietorship or a small, you know, but that's it, it, they have to take a business approach. And the problem is that that is usually the opposite of the creative aspect. Business is not art. <laughs> well, there is an art but to business. But art can be business. And there is the art of business, but yeah. that's another podcast entirely. Yeah. So. so, you know, so that's our goal is to put is to put the tools into musicians' hands that allow them to connect with their local market so they can have the visibility and they can have access to tools like our e-ticketing system. Um, and, and, you know, like uh, putting events in our calendar, which is then syndicated out to a number of different places. Oldstrathcona.ca uses our pulls from our calendar. So you can see all the events that are happening in live music venues up and down White Avenue. You can see fed by YG Live on oldstrathcona.ca. Uh, Max Share Edmonton pulls a feed from us. A number of venues pull their calendars from us so they don't have to buy and maintain their own calendars on their own website. So uh, like Access Cafe is one example that we have up and running. SOS Fest, the whole website, the whole listing system for SOS Fest was driven from the database of YG Live. So. Yeah, I do want to talk about SOS Fest because I want to know your level of involvement with it. And I understand it was, as far as first time music uh, festivals go, it was world class, but we'll we'll <laughs> talk about cool, that. Thanks. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is what I've heard. So, but I do I did want to know um, the so the events that get populated into the YG Live calendar yeah. are those things that you go out and look for, or are they being fed to you by the bands and the artists themselves? It's a blend of both. Okay, it's a blend of both. Uh, primarily because the events are happening at in predictable locations like the venues. Uh, we have relationships with venues. They feed us their listings, and we work with their bookers or the, or the promoters or producers of the shows or the owners if they're more independent, um, and they work with us to send in the events and the listings. We do have event submissions from various artists if they're doing hall parties or house parties or something like that, or if they're doing it in smaller venues where they may have produced the show themselves as opposed to having the, the venue ownership. Um, and, and we do some, uh, some primary research um, now, some people have asked us, do you go to some of the weeklies and some of the other people, you know, and, and, and troll from their listings? And we absolutely do not do that. We never do that. Uh, because there's, uh, the reason that we came on the scene was because we don't trust those listings. Is there a particular reason why you don't trust those listings? Uh, because um, their mandate isn't to provide... <laughs> <laughs> oh come on i gotta i don't want to you know what they're really good people who work at these publications but a lot of times the listings are left as a last minute volunteer or intern kind of activity speaking as a former newspaper editor i can definitely say that that is absolutely true it's content filler in a way yeah and and the 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 irony is that a lot of people pick up the weekly magazines for the listings yeah and they don't read the editorial they don't read the reviews i was just having a conversation similar to this with somebody uh recently like within the last few days not with music in mind but in this case with theater in mind mm -hmm. and without naming names uh they said that one of the two weekly publications uh has really dropped the ball on supporting the art scene recently yeah. and it's it's become it went from being one of like the better of the two to being noticeably just like 
totally dropping the ball on supporting like music, theater, just the art scene in general. And uh, this is this is yeah. the challenge that print. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that I need a, a bit of controversial opinion here. I, I don't think Edmonton's been. I don't think the Edmonton art scene or the small business scene has been well served by having two weeklies at each other's throats for so long. Uh, and and nothing against either of the people. And I understand that they're you know they're in a, a fight for survival against each other and that kind of thing. But and the internet. Uh, yeah, but but times are changing now, and and people are not looking to print for this kind of up-to-date information because even with live music listings we have up to up to the minute changes you know things will change you know on a daily basis sometimes with some of these listings if some band their drummer comes up sick or something that's right that's Line not something changes. you could get out to one of the the weekly newspapers in time necessarily but that's you right. would be able to change it an hour later that's that right. would have only worked back in the in the day when newspapers were doing evening editions Yes. Right? Yeah. Now right. we can tell you that this dr- this drummer basis was stopped at the border because of their meth addiction or whatever. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, so the listings change, and so picking something up on Thursday is really not, you know, not really serving. And so, and the other thing too is that then when you pick this up and you look through the listings and you see uh, one of the publications actually still has Halberts listed as an open stage, despite our efforts to. So I kind of now the cat's out of the bag. They're probably going to go in and, and hear this, and they're going to change this. But yeah, because I'm, I'm sure this, they're all listening, right? Well, we I've know been using that this the, as an example. the editors in chief of both of the weekly publications obviously listen to the unknown <laughs> students. Who wouldn't? <laughs> but no, I mean that's that's really interesting. That, yeah, because Halberts hasn't been open for it's a over a year, year or two. Well, about a year. Yeah, yeah, end yeah. Of July last year. That's weird. Yeah. So we use that kind of an example to say, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're not on top of that. They're not curating, you know, they're not using the tools. And, and that, that's the thing is that it's a, it, this time-based information where you have an intersection of events, uh, pro, uh, profiles, uh, uh, a time and place, it's, it's difficult to manage. But we've built the tools to specifically manage mm-hmm. this, to be able to curate it. So... And so now that, so we know how the artists get their data into it. And as far as a website goes, you show up there. And you get to look at events. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm into a particular genre of music and I want to receive, say, uh, updates to my feed reader, for example, are there RSS feeds for each genre or for bands? Like, tell us about that aspect. Right now, we've been really focused on the curation and the back end database. So the front end right now is very basic. You can do search by genre, you can search for artists by genre or events by genre or by features of the venue, like is it, does it have uh, wheelchair access, is it licensed and all ages, you know, like access uh, metro room, for example, it's a licensed space, but it's an all ages space as well. So, so you can do searches like that. Right now, the, the events calendar shows up just as a big multi-page list of events so you see from today and then it's chronological on from there so you can't really zoom very easily to a particular date uh, we we have a we have a roadmap to put that in place but being that we have you know the budget only for one developer and that would be myself and i'm not making any money out of this so <laughs> that uh our focus right now is on the back end uh and and making sure that we have the content so we do have uh aggressive plans for rss feeds uh, we have a mobile app that will be released uh, sometime in September. Handy for the concert goer on the go. <clears throat> that is really exciting, actually. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It would be an iPhone app. Is that something that you yourself are developing as well? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so you see, you know, so we get a lot of traffic to the front end of the website. It has utility right now. People may not be able to see what's happening third week of August very easily, but they can get the information. So we've kind of said, well, the priority is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. 
let's get the mobile app done. Let's get the back end uh, working really, really slick. Uh, we do have a syndication service that we use. We call it ESS. Uh, it's, uh, it's what was feeding the SOS Fest website and what feeds oldstrathcona.ca and Share Edmonton and the others. So, Now, in order to use this ESS technology, does someone have to get in touch with you? Or is it... Yeah, it's, it's, it's by a subscription. It's, it's on a subscription basis. So you so, could conceivably sell YG Live to the weeklies for their online stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, well, we wouldn't actually... We would just like the profile. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, sure. I, I could give the weeklies... Our system can generate print-ready layout we can insert ads we can do whatever so it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer and we talked to one of them and and the response was uh no thank you very much we're very happy with the way that we're doing things right now okay. is that the one that still believes that you have an open restaurant that's uh no that would be the other one I think. okay so <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh, they're good people but the, the the scene has changed you know somebody's moved their cheese they, they need to adapt um you know, but uh, hopefully they don't adapt too quickly because there's there's a there's a niche for us and uh, and we're moving into it. So so you've mentioned your aggressive roadmap, and I know that websites and particularly ones that are as feature heavy as the one that you've designed are never finished. Mm -hmm. But when's it going to be finished? Like at what point are you going to be? <laughs> you know, when do you have your grand opening? I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know. Uh, I, we're, we're hoping that with the launch of the the uh, mobile app in September that we will have uh, we're going to have a marketing push promotions push that's going to go with that. So you know you want to call that a product launch or something to that effect, and you can you can label it as that. Um, but you know we uh, when we look at the traffic on our site, we see it growing all the time. We see a lot of new visitors that are coming, and they're high-quality first visits, so people are spending three, four, five minutes on the site. They're looking at multiple pages. Some of them are converting, aka buying tickets, e-tickets, to some of the local events that we have listed for ticketing. Um, and uh, and we see that growing. And then, you know, uh, our involvement with SOS Fest, uh, we're the listings and the e-ticketing partner for them. We had some other involvement as well. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of people walking around with the YG Live temporary tattoos on, on Sunday and, and seeing us up and down the avenue. So as a brand, you know, when I look at it from a brand and promotion standpoint, we're starting to get established in the market. And people are looking to us as a resource to find out what's happening in the live music scene. Now, I'm, I'm not exactly into the music scene. I will admit I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, out of touch with, with music. Uh, I think I'm actually a decade behind on what's popular. <laughs> but, as I mentioned before, I am, I am fairly uh, connected to the, uh, to the local theater scene. Yep. There's a lot of independent theater that goes on in yes. the city. Uh, improv groups that go up on stage. Uh, community theater events that don't get the same publicity as, say, like the Citadel might. Yep. Is that something else that you're planning to add? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, our database is, is a group or an artist at a venue at a particular time and there and there's certain types of seats available and there's ticketing so um live music is our beachhead so to speak so it's our first market that we're working into but uh, our plan is to expand and to support um all arts and cultural events in in a particular in in the city here so um uh, we've been working quite closely with the Old Strathcona Business Association because of their push to to bring awareness uh, to Old Strathcona as a live music and a cultural district. And of course, there's a lot of theater that happens in there. So we've been discussing with the management, uh, the executive director there about 
how we can use our system for the theaters that are in the Old Strathcona area and support them and give them access to our sort of barrier-free technology like the e-ticketing that we do um, and give them a profile, reliable and accurate profile on a single source of information about that scene. Yeah. So right now it's very fragmented, you know, and, and that was one of the things too that we experienced at Halberts. To, to get a review or coverage in, in the weeklies or, or in the what's on section in the journal was difficult. You, it, you, it was impossible for a small venue like us to get profile. And so we would send in our listings and sometimes the listings would get put in correctly and sometimes they wouldn't. And patrons were frustrated because how could they find information about everything that was happening in the city? So that, you know, all those sorts of things sort of underwrote what we're doing here, so. As you know, every summer, Edmonton plays host to literally dozens of festivals. Um, that's why we've branded ourselves the Festival City. It's hard to get out to every single one of them, but I decided to take a little trip a few weekends ago to the second last day of the Edmonton Street Performers Festival. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to speak to one of the festival organizers. My name is Shelley Switzer, and I'm the artistic producer of the Edmonton International Street Performers Festival. The Street Performers Festival has been around for just over 25 years, and in spite of the rain this summer, uh, Shelley says that the festival has been a rousing success. Uh, we're anticipating for this year that we'll have about 230,000 folks joining us on, on the square over the course of the 10 days, but uh, that can definitely be affected by the weather. Um, we always make choices, uh, you know, to scale back performances or move them into the ATB financial big tent. Uh, sometimes this week we've also had to just shut down the square, but uh, we, overall we feel our attendance is definitely up from last year and uh, it's there's such a great vibe on this square. It just feels really good. Yeah, and, and there are performances here, or performers here from all over the world, and you said how many performers are here this I this year? I believe it's pretty close to 55 people that are here. And they range in their discipline and style of acts from the Focus Circle shows to um, roving uh, comedic uh, artists uh, and uh, uh, acts uh, that I refer to as installation. In other words, the audience kind of has to go up to them. Face painters, balloon twisters, our caricaturists, and the fantastic privy people. What do the privy people do? That's kind of an unusual name. Well, the privy people are doing something very unusual, and especially at a festival. They're giving you the best privy or porta potty experience of a festival. They not only theme each uh, each one of their uh, porta potties, but uh, they do truly keep it clean and and make it such a fun experience for for you. I mean, again, one of our favorite, and I use air quotes on that, uh, experiences is a bathroom experience on the festival site. So we've moved them right into the middle of the crowd, if you will, and put it at, made it art. That's cool. That's, uh, that's bathroom time you can be proud of and feel secure about. Exactly. And they're really, uh, again, it's really quite a fun experience. Now, I also had the chance to catch up with one of the 
many street performers that are that were at the festival this season, a man by the name of Mr. Spin. But his real name is... I'm Nigel Donald Lungi. I'm from Australia, Adelaide. And, um, yeah, it was a long swim here. <laughs> so so you've, you're obviously a seasoned street performer. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been at it? Uh, I've been doing street performing... Uh, about 19 years now, I think. No, 19, nearly 20. And how does one get into such a such an unusual or, or, or different, I suppose, kind of performance? Um, I don't know. I was uh, brought up to perform, really. And um, so I'd done a lot of uh, uh, dance and uh, circus and playing music. And... Um, I was doing a lot of corporate work and circus and stuff and I was watching a couple of street performers and I just thought it'd be a good chance to do my stuff and instead of just doing 10 minutes in a cabaret or uh, you know here and there and a whole lot of other stuff I was able to actually make a, a whole show up and um, yeah so it was just basically kind of watching other people do it that I thought it'd be a good idea and then I just it was a real challenge actually it was extremely hard to keep your audience there and then get them to pay you at the end so I really I think the challenge of it really kept me going as well a lot of people kind of give up you know because it becomes quite difficult so yeah so what what kind of uh, strategies have you developed to ensure that people stick around for the whole performance and sort of hand over their dough at the end I, I just don't give them a chance to think you know <laughs> they turn up to my show and they just get stuck there watching me and I my show is really full of tricks and comedy just continuous you know it's it's I suppose it's like um, you know a stand-up comedian but uh, physical as well at the same time you've got to be really funny and then you've got to actually make them go wow as well and you've got to keep it going you know so it can be you know a 45 minute show is really quite tiring so oh, I can imagine and this this 19 years of performing has enabled you I imagine to see much of the planet yeah, um, yeah. well I mean I've been performing you know almost since the age of seven, but um, I've seen almost everything, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, what are some of your favorite uh, places other than Edmonton, of course, uh, to do your show? Other than Edmonton? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, the, you know, I've, uh, there's a really beautiful little place up in the top of the Netherlands. It's a little island up there, and the festival's called Ural, and um, so covered in little forests and stuff like that. And they run a big uh, theatre festival there and everyone rides around on bikes on the island and you ride into the forest and you park your bikes and you go crawling, walking into the forest and then there's a show in the middle of the forest and you watch this show in the middle of the forest and it's really beautiful, all lit up and then they've got all the beaches so you ride to a beach and you go watch a show on the beach and they've got little tiny towns and that are really, really old on this island. You can ride around the island, it takes a while but... Yeah, so you just ride around on this island. There's shows just all over the place. It's really beautiful, and I've performed there quite a few times. So I've I've really liked it, and it's great to be invited back. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You you would hate for them to ask you not to come back. Yeah, certainly. I yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You know, you want to get a really good show together so you can do all the festivals that you really want to do. So. Yeah. I mean, so so you're here performing, doing your own show, and your wife is here as well. I understand. Yeah, my wife's here. She's um, taking workshops at the moment. She's pregnant, so she does a solo show herself. Okay. But she's taking it easy now, of course, because it's quite demanding. And my 13-year-old son's here as well. He's helping with the workshops as well. So, 
he does uh, a lot of stuff as well. So. so it's a real family affair. It's probably something that's going to continue to happen in your yeah, family. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to do something like this and you're going to make it your career, I mean, you've got to find someone who's willing to do a lot of traveling, you know, and willing to, you know, do, you know, deal with all the training that you have to do and all the bad jokes that you have to work through with them. <laughs> so is it the end in sight for you or is this something you want to continue doing for as long as you possibly can? Um, I, I, I'm going to, I still do it. Uh, I do a, a lot more, uh, I'm back doing a lot more cabaret and stuff, but I do love the street and I've, you know, because I've been doing it so long, uh, I like to keep doing it. I'm getting a bit older now. I'm, I've just turned, uh, turning 41 in three weeks. Okay. And, Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. In three weeks. <laughs> and, uh, um, my tendons are starting to go because my show is quite uh, physically demanding. But I've been designing a new show in the last five years to bring out in the next couple of years. Because usually with a, such a, uh, a skills show where you're doing a lot of physical skill, it takes a long time to develop the trick. So like five years ago I started thinking of the tricks and so then I've been training them ever since and they're almost ready to yeah. do the new show. But they're, they're not so demanding on my body. So just on on your mind just on my mind and yeah they're, i mean they're still amazing tricks but they're the, they're a type of one that once you've gotten um you can keep for a long time they won't hurt you whereas some of the tricks i'm doing at the moment still hurt me when i do them oh, well hey look after yourself no problem thanks very much for chatting with us nigel and uh and have a safe flight wherever you wind yeah. up next uh, yeah another swim home <laughs> no i've done well here <laughs> that was a quick chat with mr spin from uh, adelaide australia who's here in edmonton for the International Street Performers Festival, which by the time you've heard this is wrapped up, but there's still plenty more festivals taking place in Edmonton for the rest of the summer. If you're looking for information on that, I advise you to go check out shareedmonton.ca. It's a great little online tool that tells you a lot of stuff that's taking place in the city. And if music is your particular focus, go to yeglive.ca. That's yeglive.ca. It's a great website and resource for looking up music uh, shows, concerts, that kind of thing. And you can even buy tickets there. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. And now, a dramatic reading with Scott C. Bourgeois. The Dawson Bridge Construction Update. Built between 1911 and 1912, the East End Bridge brought commuters from the East End of Edmonton towards the downtown area. Later renamed the Dawson Bridge after coal magnate H.S. Dawson, the structure would have seen the evolution of transportation from horse-drawn to horse-powered vehicles. At 97 years old, the bridge was closed down entirely in January 4th, 2010 for major rehabilitation. 
Construction slated to run until November 2010 means that the bridge will remain closed to all pedestrians, cyclists, and vehicles to ensure the safety of both the public and those doing the repair work. Since construction began, the following work has been done on the Dawson Bridge. The concrete bridge deck has been removed. The old wooden sidewalk has been torn out. Removal and replacement of old rivets. Half of required truss strengthening has been completed. Washing, sandblasting, and painting has begun. Over the next several months, crews will be installing the new bridge deck, installing the new wider wooden sidewalk, replacing and or strengthening the remaining trusses, finishing the sandblasting and painting, and resurfacing the bridge deck in its entirety. At the public information session last spring, we indicated that there would not be a need for night work. As the project has progressed, night work has been required in order to keep the project on schedule. Presently, night work consists of washing, sandblasting, priming, and general cleanup of the site. It is anticipated that the majority of the night work will be complete by the end of August. We regret any inconvenience to nearby residents. By ramping up the work while the weather is good, the City of Edmonton can ensure that the bridge will be available late this year for those motorists, cyclists, and pedestrians who have come to rely on this historic structure during their daily commutes. should indeed uh, take a moment right now uh, to set a shout out to uh, some supporters uh, from the community who give us money to say their name on the internet. And uh, right now there are a couple of them. Uh, the first one, who's, they've been with us for a long time and we really, really appreciate their love and constant support. And that organization is called The, the Edmonton, Edmonton Journal. Journal. Uh, those ink-stained wretches saw fit to uh, give us a little bit of uh, help when we were starting out, and they are continuing to do so, and we appreciate all the things that they do. Um, they've got a great new website, actually, that they've just redone with some nice nice features around the way their menus work. and So they're doing some great things. They are now owned by Post Media, which is a kind of a funny name because I think we are in a post-media era in a way. <laughs> but uh, I would never say that to their faces because I'd be afraid of them hurting me. Our uh, other sponsor, of course, is... Uh, Guru Digital Arts College. That's the one. They are awesome. And uh, they basically live in a uh, in a swanky, new-age, like, art bohemian coffee shop. Yeah, basically. Th essentially. The place is awesome. And uh, if you're interested in getting involved in the digital arts as perhaps a career move, uh, you should definitely seek them out. They're really great people and they know what they're doing and they've got an awesome place to do it in. So uh, I would certainly recommend that. Yeah, do you I, think they could throw an intern or two my way? Uh, well, we will certainly <laughs> ask them for you. Um, in fact, they do a lot of uh, stuff around... Um, like their their final project work is 
their designers are, are told you need to go out and do X number of dollars worth of work. Yeah. And typically they're doing it pro bono, but for actual businesses, right? Yeah. To earn their. So there might be opportunities for yeah. you to work with them. I'll, I, love I'll, I'll, I will hook you up for it. sure. And then our, our last sponsor is the very sexy, the very exciting, and the very sex positive traveling tickle trunk. They're located on 99th Street and White Avenue on the south side of the avenue. And they sell all manner of sex toys and books and they lend out movies and that sort of thing. Uh, they do workshops around how to give blowjobs, bondage <laughs> workshops. They're, re- they're doing really exciting and interesting stuff around human sexuality. And it's not like source adult videos. So check them out if you're interested. They even have a website travelingtickletrunk.com So thank you to all of our sponsors. Now tell me about the e-ticketing portion here because I'm curious as to, because it seems to me there'd be a lot of barriers to getting a system like that to work with venues. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, th- that's the perception. Uh, and that's how it's been. Because if you want to go to, you know, the tyrannical monopoly or the other ticket people in town, uh, you have to have contracts and salesmen meet you and it's kind of an icky grody process. There's barriers, you got to pay fees. They have to decide whether they really like you and yeah, it's all kinds of things. Um, and then you end up with paper tickets, which is so 19th century. Or you have to do, or you have to have this thing called a wheel call list. You know, but I bought my tickets in advance. Why do I have to line up? People who are paying cash are getting in ahead of me. Is that my reward for having bought it? So the systems are fundamentally, from their, from their core, they're flawed. It's the wrong way to do things. I can, in 12 clicks, I can go on a website and I can buy myself a ticket to go to Cancun or, or Hawaii or wherever in the world. And, and without printing my ticket on my mobile phone, I can check in, check my luggage, and be on a plane and go have a nice vacation. So why the heck can I do the same to consume local live music or the local arts scene, art, uh, culture, theater events, and that kind of thing. So we looked at this and, and said, well, there's a couple of problems. Let's get away from having paper tickets. Uh, let's get away from having uh, barriers for the venues and the artists to uh, make their events ticketable. Okay, uh, and, and let's make it really slick and really convenient and secure for patrons so that they can trust the system. So what we came up with was an e-commerce component to our listings where uh, events can be ticketed. We do general admission right now, but we are working on doing seating assignments and, and tiers of seats and that kind of thing. Uh, when you, you add them to your shopping cart, you check out, you pay with PayPal, you pay with Visa, MasterCard, and we have all the certificates in place and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so security is very important uh, in our site. After you pay for your tickets, um, you receive an email which has a 2D barcode and uh, I can actually pull one up here to show you what it looks like. Yeah. We can't show the show the podcast uh, listeners, obviously, but uh, just go to yhglive.ca and buy something. Yeah. You'll be able to see it yourself. We've got a little YouTube video on there that actually, actually shows. I watched that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's a so it's one of those almost like the uh, Scan Life barcodes that the Edmonton Journal is using right now, um, and that sort of thing. So yeah. yeah. So this is what your e-ticket looks like. You get a little email with the 2D barcode. Uh, and so when you receive this email, you can either print it out, it comes as a PDF, you can print it out and bring the printout with you to the venue, or you can display it on your smartphone. Uh, we're also working on SMS connector for people who don't have smartphones. So if you have a Samsung, you know, yeah. future handset, you can get this SMS to your, to your cell phone and then just display it. So then the venue just scans the barcode? Yeah, they just use, they use an iPhone or a Blackberry. With a camera. With a camera. And they scan it. 
and that their scanner would have been pre-authorized. We have a very simple system that allows them to, to be pre-authorized as a scanner. We validated the barcode is, is an accurate, is an authentic ticket. Mm -hmm. We then redeem it in a central system, and then we notify the venue that, you know, okay, this is good for two people, you can admit two people, or it's good for four wristbands, so you can, you can issue four wristbands. Or and, and this, of course, happens instantaneously. It's very quick. It's very quick, yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah. It's remarkable because I remember, you know, going to concerts even like five years ago, and they still weren't scanning tickets. They were still tearing them. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty brutal, hey? So did you, the, the app that scans the barcode, is that something that you developed as well, or is that? No, we, we, use, we use a commodity uh, QR code scanner. Okay. We don't use ScanLife. We use QR codes. Um, That's Q the more common one, isn't it? Well, it's, it's common everywhere that, that uh, CanWest doesn't have reach, I guess, because they've, they've adopted it as, you know, uh, ScanLife is a proprietary uh, format, ah. and, and all of the barcodes that you generate go through their central system. Through can through through, no, through, through through scan life. Okay, okay. So it's basically every scan life barcode is a serial number, which then scan life system interprets okay. and allows you to take some action beyond that. QR codes actually contain all of the information in the barcode, so there's no central system required. So and it's an open standard, um, and uh, it's it's more flexible and it's it's a public standard. It's not a proprietary standard. Okay. So. Um, so what I'm going to do is, I have my little badge here, I'm going to scan this. Does it have to be a certain orientation or it can be whatever? Um, uh, usually straight on is, is good, but, but it, it can but be it, 90 no. degrees upside down, doesn't yeah, matter. Okay. Yeah, okay. it figures that out. Scans really quick. Um, my 3G is a little bit flaky in here, so I'm going to kind of just wait for this to come. Come on, there we go. So what, what I've scanned here is, is we call this our PKC, personal key code. Okay. So this is me as a venue agent, as a staff, door girl, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, this is my thing. So I'm going to scan that and I'm just going to pin in here. So you have a pin number that you enter to authorize yep. your use of this thing? That's right. Okay. Yep. So, and then I'll get my, uh, my ticket redemption control panel will come up here and it says, you don't have any authorizations, perhaps you need to request one. So I'm going to request an authorization. And uh, it just so happens that uh, I am authorized. I can request authorization for YG Live, uh, Live e-ticketing demo. So that would be the gig or the event. Okay. You may also see the venue or the series or the festival or whatever. And I'm gonna I'm gonna log into the East Gate. We have a multi-gate system. That's amazing. So if you have like a Shambhala kind of thing where you've got multiple gates, we can handle that, no problem. Amazing. Allows you to keep track of. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. So so every every ticket that's redeemed. Um, I'll know, okay, Chris scanned this at the East Gate at 6.30 p.m. So then can you provide the venue with analytics around yes. the traffic at their gates? Absolutely. That is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I want seven of these products. This is the interface. And you don't even run a venue. Right? And the, yeah. But, you know, this is the kind of thing, like, if, if there's a barrier to entry for people who want to open a venue, the, they have the capital to do it, but, <clears> God, <throat> managing, ticketing, and all that stuff is such a clusterfuck. They f they find out that something like this exists, yeah. and suddenly that investment is like it's a sure thing. That's our goal. That's our goal. It's to just and and even for the calendars, like I'll show you accesscafe.ca. If you go to their live music calendar, uh, you know Phil was struggling with keeping his calendar up to date online with the bookings and everything. So what happens now is when Daniil or Lisa do the bookings for for the Metro Room down there, they send it into us. They manage it through our system. Mm -hmm. It it gets updated automatically on our website. When you go to their website, real time, it pushes out to their website. 
and not only not only do they have the calendar, but they also have all the artist profiles. And as we have the tracks and the videos and all the galleries in place for the artists, it's all available through that website as well. So people can make an informed decision. So you know, Scott, for yourself, if you're not if you don't know about a particular band, you you go to us, you know, your friends. Ah, we're going to be at um, we're going to be at Haven on Thursday night. So okay, well maybe I'll go check it out. So you go to the YG Live or you go to the Haven website. You see that there's a band playing there. Let's say okay, well I'm is playing at at, uh, at Haven Social Club. And you say, well I've never really heard of them. What are they all about? You go to the Haven website, you'll see the Will on Wolves profile. You'll be able to listen to a sample track. I'll see pictures of the guys and say, uh, yeah, okay, I think I want to go check this out. And then you can buy a ticket right from there. And you can make sure that you got your front of the line access and, and you're in. So I'll just show you here. What I've done is I've just scanned this e-ticket here. And uh, it says here, uh, general admission, bought four, redeemed zero, remaining is four. How many do you want to redeem? So let's say you bought tickets for you and three other friends. Yeah. But you and a friend are showing up now and your buddy and his girlfriend are coming later on in the night. So you've sent them the e-ticket. Yeah. You come in and we redeem for two right now. And That's then they nice. come in and they redeem the remaining two. Now, if it were me, I'm a jerk. So I'd say all four. <laughs> I don't want those, those you know what this means? Angry. This means that you don't miss the beginning of the show because your friend who has the tickets in his pocket are, are late. Yeah, yeah. It also means that if you show up first and you can get into the, you don't have to get into the wheel call line and show the specific credit card and the specific ballpoint pen that you yeah. used to sign the because slip and everything, I mean, you it's know, so, to it's so ridiculous that, the, you know, these, these concert venues or, or concert ticketing authorities say, buy your stuff online. It's more convenient. Hell, it's so convenient. We're going to charge you for it. Yeah. Then you get to the venue and you're still standing in line what's the incentive often, often standing in a longer line yeah yeah because it's slow going yeah and there are some venues in town here that are membership only venues in fact Meaning, oh like like haven is aren't they uh yeah he, he, uh, starlight is though. starlight is yeah. yeah so so you buy your ticket and you think you want to get into your show and everything and then you're in this membership line yeah. because why didn't they collect the membership information from their ticketing system oh because the ticketing partner doesn't provide that service to the venue we have that ability Starlight, if you're listening, we should really talk about this. Uh, have, have you? <laughs> and of course, the proprietors of Starlight, obviously, uh, they must are are big fans of the yeah, well, studio. Who isn't listening weekly? Uh, you know what? We we have uh, conversations with venues all the time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of inertia. Uh, there's a lot of belief that well, it seems to work for us right now. Uh, I think it's in that case just a matter of working with the people you have and through their success, yeah. showing how useful and. Yeah how useful that system is through the word of mouth from the customers who are using it. Yeah. Eventually, if it's that convenient and that user-friendly and you can get that kind of like analytical information, everybody's going to turn around. For yeah. me, that's yeah. the big thing. I mean, obviously, the, the, the basics of the system are, are pretty remarkable, but the fact that you can provide information to a venue owner about traffic and... You know, more people came an hour before the show than, yep. you know, the doors, even though they opened two hours before. Yep. That allows you to tighten up what you're doing with your business. Yeah, because and you have insight. If you exactly. have if you yeah. have eight people come through the east gate and 600 people come through the north gate, <laughs> maybe you don't need the east gate. Anymore. Then you need yeah. a crane to rotate your venue slightly so yes. that the <laughs> gates get fed simultaneously. But that's, that's exactly that's, it. I that's mean, remarkable. One thing that we found, uh, well, with Halberts and also actually with SOS Fest, um, was that um, a lot of venues have a difficult time with um, with internal marketing, with understanding who's actually in their venue and communicating with people who are already in their venue. 
So they spend a lot of time trying to attract new people. They spend very little time and they don't use the tools very effectively to maintain their relationship with their existing clientele. Bands have the same problem and this is why we see this 18 month to 24 month life cycle for a lot of local bands. Uh, we're trying to change that by giving them the tools to understand who's in their venue and to give them a conduit, a way of communicating and maintaining contact with those, with those patrons. And uh, I, I think that there's an incredible opportunity for sure. For, for venues to benefit like, from that. Like I said, I think it's a no-brainer. We've got a little bit of time yet. <coughs> I want to talk about how you were involved in SOS Fest and how you felt that it went. Because sure. it was this thing that, from my perspective, came out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then all the people involved, from the artists to the venue owners to the fans to the, you know, the media that even attended, they seemed floored at how successful it was <laughs> so how did it all come about it well um the the city of edmonton and uh, responsible hospitality edmonton and the old strathcona business association wanted to heighten the profile of live music that was happening in old strathcona so there was a an initiative behind the live music district at old Strath in, in old strathcona and part of that was you know well let's do a series or let's do a festival or something you know, to, to bring some profile to this. And so Darb Erickson, who, who works with uh, Responsible Hospitality Edmonton, he's the, uh, the city's uh, venue coordinator for Old Strathcona, basically treats all the Old Strathcona area as a city venue, much as you would treat Churchill Square, for okay, example. Sure. Um, and he talked to Kaylee Bird, who's a local musician, uh, who's, who was um, uh, uh, finishing her um, cultural management studies program at Grant McEwen. She was just about to leave on a tour, so and this was last fall. And so she said, well, I can't really do it right now, but when I come back on tour, let's talk about it. So in spring, they talked again, uh, and she said, yeah, I'd like to do this. I'd like to give back to the community that has supported me as I've grown as a musician, and it sounds like it would be a lot of fun. That was four months before the festival. So we had, yeah, it was an incredibly that <coughs> came together aggressive. quickly, yeah. It was really quick. I, I would say that if we had had more experienced festival organizers involved, we would not have been able to accomplish what we did in that short period of time because there would be too much uh, baggage, too much legacy that would come. But we were all very ambitious. Yeah. We were all very dedicated towards this date and making this thing happen. And so big props to, to Kaylee Bird, uh, Brent Oliver and Caitlin North from Foundation Concerts who did most of the booking for that, uh, Darb Erickson and Shirley Lowe from the OSBA and the whole staff of the OSBA, uh, Megan Young, who is the volunteer coordinator, along with Amy Thiessen, and, um, and Natalie Ozipko, who did the marketing and PR. I'm probably missing somebody. Uh, Sydney, um, Sydney York, um, uh, that's her stage name. I'm, I'm pulling a total blank right now. It'll come back to me. But she did the sponsorship rela relations. So we had 40 sponsors that wow. really came, re like, I, well, more than that, actually. You can see on the website, they're still listed there. They all came together and they contributed in kind or they contributed cash or logistics or marketing promotions, whatever. Um, when we first uh, got involved, we talked to Kaylee and we said, okay, we'd love to handle your listings, your artist profiles, your calendar. We'll do your website for you. We'll do your online promotions uh, and we'll do the ticketing for the wristbands, the e-ticketing for the wristbands. And at that point, it was going to be 40 or 50 bands and about maybe 10 venues. And then really quickly, as they started to talk to the venues, more and more came on board. And it yeah, was like venues were coming and asking you if they could be a part of SOS. How do we become involved? Yeah. yeah. How do we become, how do, you know, we heard about this thing that's going on. So 21 venues, 157 acts, and the two outdoor stages on the Sunday, 
with uh, you know five or six headliners, and then shout out 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 to the final big push and it was just a it was an incredible weekend it that really was. is l- like approaching the scale of the edmonton folk music festival i mean i know yep. it's not quite the same thing but my god yeah well the, lo- the the logistics are yeah on par as far as the booking goes and and i mean brent and caitlin did a smash-up job to pull together all the artists and all the all the touring artists that were involved but also organizing all the local artists that yeah. may not have professional management or representation you know, so it's, it, it is really like herding cats. So. Brent, Brent's been in the business for years and years in Edmonton, like since I was a kid yeah, almost. Really and, and he, you know, yeah. really knows how to do that. So, I mean, kudos to everybody who put it together. In fact, if you're interested in hearing or seeing more about it, Jeff and Sally from the Edmontonian.com did a nice four-minute video. Mm-hmm. If you can find it on YouTube, just look up YouTube.com forward slash The Edmontonian or just go to SOSFest.TheEdmontonian.com. It's all there. And it really made me think, my God, why did I miss out on this? <laughs> the answer, of course, was because I was in Calgary. But, you know, anyways. Well, and the other thing, too, is that with only four months to plan, there wasn't a long, there wasn't a sustained, consistent marketing effort yeah. from the very, very, very beginning. So, you know, uh, next year, it's just going to grow. Oh, even, I can't wait. Even, very it's going to be even stronger. So, uh, well, we had a really good, uh, we had really good numbers. We were surprised by the numbers. I think the venues and the artists uh, were really impressed with how it went. And, um yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, we kind of all took a week off after. Oh, because <laughs> it was a bit of a, deservedly. Yeah, and it seemed like a bit of a coming out party in a way for YEG Live because it was the, I mean, that was the big thing, right? The big marquee event in a way. It, yeah, it, it was the event that really gave a lot of profile to what we do because we were driving all the art, all the artist bios and, and the profiles. About 80% of them were already in our system. Oh, so, great. so when it came time, when we got the list of artists from, from Brent and the final lineup and the slotting, putting them in was actually kind of a breeze for us because we already had up-to-date profiles on most of the, most of the local artists. So Perfect. that was pretty cool. I think it's time. For the Fast 50. That's right. <laughs> if you've ever listened to the show... <laughs> You know that we like to ask I all of our real guests. questions. Oh, yeah. well, that's good. That's yeah. good. It's supposed to be off the cuff. So yeah. we're going to ask you 15 questions. Uh, the first 13 are common to all of our guests. The last two are wild cards. If you feel like you can't answer a question. Did I just say pass? You say pass, but you only get two of those. Okay. And Scott is keeping track. Okay. So here we go. The Fast 15 with Chris Martiniak from yeglive.ca. Number one, your favorite food. Spaghetti and meatballs. Number two, your favorite color. Uh, fond of the mustard yellow in the YG Live logo. Oh, fantastic. Mac, PC, or Linux? Uh, Mac, recent convert a year ago. Oh, was it PC before? It was PC for, oh. yeah. I, I've written device drivers for PC. I'm going to point out we have yet to have anybody say Linux. Not even Mac said Linux. Yeah. Well, my all my web servers are Linux, so. But it's not your favorite. No. It doesn't count. No. Okay, so here we go. Uh, number four, dogs or cats? Neither. Not in my house. Okay. Number five, coffee or tea? Coffee. Number From s- transcendcoffee.com. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. They're not a sponsor of ours yet. Yes. Um, your favorite holiday? Uh, Labor Day, I guess. Back to school. Right on. Yeah. Your, your favorite sport? Mm, pass. Okay. Your favorite pastime? Uh, programming, web design. Right on. Yeah. Uh, your geeking f- out. <laughs> your favorite uh, music at this moment. Uh, 
can I can I cop out and just say Edmonton indie scene? Sure, sure. But there are more music questions coming just for you, my friend. Okay. So, um, your favorite movie? Uh, I really like Sliding Doors. Yeah, that's, that's not a bad <laughs> movie. The Paltrow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, your favorite video game? Uh, never play video games. Really? No. Amazing. Not even Tetris. Uh, bubble wrap on my iPhone, but that's mostly just to annoy people in my midst. <laughs> Accounts. It does. <laughs> totally Bubble counts. wrap's a game. Uh, you, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, go back in timerama. Sweet. <laughs> I like the orama part that you added at the end. That really makes it feel real. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, Star Trek. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, we needed that one, Scott. We needed that one for the win. TNG was good, but the original series is... Oh, a man after my own heart over there. It's fantastic. <laughs> now we're on to the wild card questions. And I know this is going to be a hard one for you to, for you to answer. Your favorite local band? Uh, currently, two top of the list. 100 Mile House and Wallen Wolves. Okay. Yep. And finally, your last Fast 15 question. Your favorite ever concert? Oh. Uh, well, it wasn't really a concert per se in the traditional sense but i would have to say that shout out, 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 out at sos fest the open stage the 103rd street bandstand on to wrap up sos fest was the most magical live music and performance moment that i've ever seen in this city i am so so pissed that i missed <laughs> it that's awesome thanks yeah. very much chris for uh yes for thank indulging you very us. much yeah my pleasure so Glad um so uh, next week or next show two weeks from now Scott's going to be away but we'll have a, a shortened version of the unknown studio that I'm going to put together which should be hilarious uh, yeah. yeah yeah it should be but no I, I'm good I'm getting good I'm gonna, with the with all these tools I'm going to point out at this time that uh, since this show has started I have done all of the, the post-production work that's right Adam has never touched basically he's never touched a computer but in in, um, in the uh, in the uh, in the segment in this episode with the street performer, I I put that together. Yes. So so I've I'm dabbling. He's practicing. But let's just say that that uh, uh, our first guest from the beginning of this season, Brittany LeBlanc, will be on standby to assist me, or I will ask her to be on standby to assist me. Uh, so the show might sound a little different. Yeah. Uh, but all the sound elements should be there, and uh, it will still feel. Like the unknown student. So, so be excited about this. Scott gets to go on vacation. And Adam gets to try to do a show without me. <laughs> it should be hilarious. Uh, thanks again, Chris, for joining us. And Thank thanks you. to all the people we talked to this week. It, it, was, a, it was a great show. It was. And uh, we'll see you later. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 29. Our guest, Chris Martiniak, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott Z. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.
Uh, do you always do all your interviews naked? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually. I thought that was a bit of an odd request, but I'm flattered. Well, and that's why, I mean, that's why Scott and I have clearly grown out our body hair, right? Because <laughs> although we're naked, it's not so revealing. Indeed. Yeah, so. 